Welcome to Love Your Heart, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic's Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute. These podcasts will help you learn more about your heart, thoracic, and vascular systems, ways to stay healthy, and information about diseases and treatment options. Enjoy. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Emery of the Cleveland Clinic Sports Cardiology Center. I'm here today with one of our outstanding patients, Mr. Kevin Kessler. We're going to have a conversation about his story with heart disease, playing sports with heart disease, and how he came to visit us at the Cleveland Clinic. So, Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Kevin Kessler. I'm 47 years old. I live in Greenville, South Carolina, and had a heart issue back in 2019, a sudden cardiac death event that uh, was kind of eye-opening, unexpected. Uh, it happened at a CrossFit competition, a large CrossFit competition in the upstate of South Carolina, fittest of the upstate. It was in a very public, public place. I was working out, competing, and about the time I finished the competition, was on a knee and stood up and the room spun. And uh, next thing I remember, I was in the back of an ambulance. Long story short, I had gotten, I'd gone into a torsadus rhythm and had some people there that, a doctor, a uh, couple of EMTs and some nurses, emergency room nurses that worked on me, gave me CPR. The gym had an AED, thankfully. Um, got a single AED shock, which kind of brought me back. And that's kind of kind of the start of it. So that was a pretty market event in your life, right? Because you were extraordinarily fit, very active, competitive CrossFitter at the time. Yeah. Did you had any warning signs leading up to that? Anything that you, even in hindsight, thought was suspicious? Nothing at all other than, you know, I didn't perform very well that day on the first event. It had some rowing in it, and I don't want to get into too much detail, but I just felt like, you know, I couldn't go. And I even told my wife that morning, I just feel like a little off. I'm not sure why, but I had nothing, no other warning signs before that. I mean, and she even said, has said many times, I wish I would have told you to stop. And I said, I wouldn't have, because I had no <laughs> reason to think that something was going to, you know, something yeah. catastrophic like that was going to happen. And we certainly so, all have bad days. Sure. Right. Even in training, we'll have bad training days. Like we have really great training days and it's hard yeah. to, to tease those all apart. Yeah. Most of them are nothing. Unfortunately, maybe yours was something. Right. So you, you had the, the sudden cardiac arrest. Thankfully, you were in a very public space that was probably prepared for such an event, yep. which are rare. But, you know, I'll take this opportunity now to get on my soapbox, and hopefully you'll get on the soapbox with me, yep. how important these emergency action plans and automatic external defibrillators are for sporting events because that saved your life. Yep. So that's lesson one for today. I can't overemphasize um, how important those are. Yeah. So moving past that, you got admitted to the hospital, worked up. Did we ever sort of really delineate an etiology or a reason why you had this event? No, I mean, nothing definitive. You know, it's always, I do have a left branch bundle block, which I think was a contributing factor. It was pretty hot that day, so maybe some dehydration. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing that's a real smoking gun that's, you know, mm -hmm. been identified. Yeah. So you got a defibrillator for secondary mm -hmm. prevention at that point in time. Yep. How did it go after you got discharged from the hospital and with your defibrillator now after this rather traumatic event that was really unexpected? How did you handle that? What were your next steps in the phase of your recovery? Yeah, well, it really began in the hospital. You know, I can you know, obviously I was transported by ambulance and spent five days in the hospital in Greenville, South Carolina. And... I kind of went through the steps of phases of mourning. There was a lot of anger, a lot of denial, and some of that frustration right off the bat, you know. 
And you know, that I found out that day, well, you'll probably have a device implanted and, and have to live with that for the rest of your life. And it's still at that point kind of thought, well, this will never happen to me again. It's kind of a fluke thing. And, you know, I'm in good shape. Why, why would this happen? So, you know, that's kind of where it begun. And, and over time, it's a, it's a process, I think, that never ends. You know, here I am four years later and still kind of processing it and learning how to live with it, learning how to accept it. Um, and But at the same time, understanding that it's not my identity. Maybe it's mm-hmm. part of it, but it's not who I am. It's just something I have to live with and make the best of yeah. and, and kind of mold my life and, and activity and the things I love around that. So how has life been afterwards? Have you gone through and fulfilled the self-fulfilling prophecy that this will never happen again or did something happen? No, something's happened. <laughs> so over the four years, I've been shocked four times. So the, the device has saved my life four times. I mean, I, the way I look at it, you know, having the device implanted in my chest, and they've all been kind of different. You know, a couple of them I was exercising, one of them I was running, one of them I was doing CrossFit, one of them I was dead asleep in the middle of the night. And the fourth one, I was just sitting on the couch watching TV. So there's no, you know, single factor that I can say, well, if I wasn't doing this or if I was doing that, it wouldn't have, it, those wouldn't have happened. So I'm very thankful to have it. And I'm thankful that, you know, obviously if I could take it away, I certainly would. I would do but, for you but in, in, and anyone. Yeah, but in some ways I've grown a lot from it and, you know, just learning how to live with it, like I said, and, and learning that it's part of me and it's going to happen again. And, you know, another cardiologist that I've talked to said, hey, at some point after one of the shock events, it was like, how do we fix this? I'm an engineer by schooling. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think there's got to be a root cause for everything. And we should be able to figure out some way to fix this, you know, like there's got to be some way, you know, a, a valve to fix or an ablation to do or, or whatnot. And then I remember him just telling me straight up, like, look, Kevin, you kind of got to, you know, you you didn't win the lottery. You kind of got a bum heart. And the, the sooner you kind of accept it and deal with it, you know, the more fulfilling life you're going to have. And so that, that helped me a lot. And that kind of changed the way I looked at it. Instead of trying to fix it, let's, let's realize it probably can't be fixed or it's difficult to identify and so let's make the best of it right so in terms of the the athletic piece of this you've had four shocks from your defibrillator and one primary cardiac event three mm-hmm. of them were with exercise two of them were not correct how have you approached exercise since your initial diagnosis and your follow-ups and what have you sort of been told by other uh, physicians as well in the process yeah so uh, the, the the cardiologist who uh, when you have, I was kind of telling you this earlier, but when, when you have an event like that, you don't get to pick your doctor. They take you by ambulance and, and you don't get to pick who you see or the devices gets implanted or all that. So I had a kind of a, a really, really experienced cardiologist that, that met me at the hospital. And he told me, you know, you'll probably never do any kind of, you'll never do CrossFit again. And you'll probably never do anything beyond like maybe power walking again. And so that was one of, that's not what I wanted to hear the day that it happened. And so it took me a while to grasp with that. And I think that led to some of the denial and almost the anger to the point that I trained even harder afterwards. I was back in the gym a week later after this event happened and going to prove to myself or prove to others that this is not who I was. And so that's evolved over time, obviously. Um, You know, I I do a lot more than power walk now, but, Mm -hmm. but finding a sports cardiologist that understood activity and, you know, a balance of life. Well, maybe you can't be quite as intense as you once were, but you can still do CrossFit. You can still be active. You can still be fit. 
and live a fulfilling life, you know, even though that you have, you know, this, this heart issue. Yeah, and we talk about, you know, is sports, is athletic competition in these things a modifiable risk factor that will reduce your risk or eliminate your risk? And, you know, you're, you're a case example. You've had some with exercise, but you've had two shocks doing nothing. Correct. So, you know, we can't tell you not to sleep and not do anything <laughs> yeah. else, right? Yeah. So part of this is the decision that we work through, this sort of shared decision-making about, you know, understanding the risks to the best of our knowledge, mitigating as much risk as we can, and then accepting some risk because sports and athletic competition is part and parcel of who you are. I mean, take away part of your soul, yeah. and I'm not necessarily making you a better person, or I'm, I'm, I'm then allowing this disease to define you, which we don't want it to define you. It's part of you. We can't deny that. We don't sure. want it to define you either. You know, and over the years, we've, we've known each other. We've, you've found a good balance, mostly on your own, um, because of you know, somewhat of our guidance and, and things like that. Yeah, for sure. I, I know one of the, the very first time we met, you know, and, and I came to see you, we talked specifically about heart rates. And, and as I got into that higher heart rate, maybe in that, you know, zone four, 90% and above, well, that's a lot of what CrossFit is, is just how hard can you push? How intense can you do something? And um, you said, hey, that you can do that, but just understand that's, that's, you're putting yourself at higher risk. And, and that really kind of came to heart. I've got a family, I've got two children and I've been married for 23 years and I've uh, got a lovely wife and, you know, CrossFit's not all I'm about. So, you know, putting them into perspective, that was important to me. And I've changed because of that. I've modified for the better, a lot of the way I train and it's a lot more zone two training, zone three training, and just kind of knowing, you know, pushing that threshold of the 90 plus percent, it's not worth the risk. And, but, but that doesn't mean you can't do it at all. You know, it's just understanding the risk reward. And, and, and in some regards, you know, us helping you understand and what you knew, I think we had to reiterate for you, but not yeah. everyone knows that, you know, you don't have to push the extreme to get the fitness benefit that you want for your right. lifelong health and well-being, right? Because we still want you to be a physically active, healthy person to gain that health from exercise, and there are certain ways to, to work around that and understand that, which we, you know, can help you do in a lot of regards, rather than putting the blanket statement across you, no, because that didn't sit well with you. I remember no. that conversation. Yeah. And that you related I, to me. Yeah. And that's always, it seemed like, you know, I always, even dealing with my kids and everything, that's kind of my way of looking at life. Like, no is the easy answer. So why can't the answer to anything be yes or at least maybe or, or let's figure it out you know mm -hmm. let's let's come up with a solution and i think that's why i have so much appreciation for you dr emory and and coming up with a you know hey let's figure out a solution let's figure out a way that you can have a you know a mm -hmm. full fulfilling life while at the same time understanding you have this you know limitation or, or potential potential risk mm -hmm. so what sort of stood out for you what are these sort of big moments aha moments that you may have had over the past four years or moments of reflection you're like i'm at peace now yeah it, that's it's a, still a process honestly and i've worked a lot with a, a therapist and i have a sports psychologist i work with now and and a lot of it is well what does contentment mean well you know i, I don't really compete at a really high level anymore but i've found some other ways uh, I still train, but I found some other ways as kind of an outlet, whether it be coaching or judging or doing some other things in the CrossFit arena that have really been fulfilling. Kind of the biggest aha moment that was almost like a weight off my shoulders is 
the night that my very first event happened, I told my wife, I'm going to go back to fitness next year and I'm going to win. And that was really an ignorant statement at that point in time. <laughs> and I can see that's that now. That's a knee-jerk reaction. That's a knee-jerk reaction. And that was a little bit of that denial. But they didn't have the event the following year because it was COVID. But I did qualify two years later and finished second. Finished second. And that was really a, you know, kind of a pinnacle event that was almost like, okay, you're, you're still whole. You're still who you are. And then it allowed me to almost, it was almost like I had proved to myself that I was okay. And maybe even to the community a little bit that had seen me go down in, in that kind of arena that, Hey, I'm okay. I can still do this. And it almost allowed me to like, okay, you can back off now. You're finished. You're that's complete. You've, you've kind of redeemed yourself in a way. And so that's a, that was a big pinnacle event. And for me, and then since then, you know, you learn a little bit from every, I have learned a lot from every shock and it's kind of always, always causes some reflection and what could I do different, you know, and I always go to like, how could I fix this? That's always my initial. And then it's back to that. Okay. It's probably, it's not, maybe not fixable or at least it's unknown. Mm -hmm. So how do you live with it in a positive way? And I've never, I've told you this, I've never been one to want to go just sit on the couch and hope to make it the 70 or 80, you know, life longevity has never been my, my goal, it's always to live a full life, you know, kind of slide in sideways with the tires popping, you know, <laughs> at the end of life. But, and so it's a way that I can still do that, but in a responsible manner, you know, not in a reckless way. Yeah. How has your family been through all this, right? Cause you didn't go through this alone. Yeah, I didn't. So I have, like I said, I've got a wife that we've been married about 23 years and I've got two kids. My son's 19, my daughter's 16 now. So four years ago, they were 15 and 12 and they were all there at the event. So they all saw me go down. They all saw people bring ice. They thought I was having a heat stroke event mm -hmm. first. So people there brought ice and covered me in ice. And then once they realized I didn't have any pulse and they were going to do an AED, they saw me dragged by the feet out of the pool of water <laughs> to, to get to shock me. So they saw all that, you know, and it's, it's been hard. We've, my, we've taken my kids to counseling. They both adjusted really well and they've been really supportive. My wife is very supportive. But I had to actually come to terms with, from a selfish standpoint, like how, I'm, I was so like, how am I going to live that I kind of neglected realizing that she had, you know, as she was actually diagnosed with some PTSD from the event. And she had a lot of dreams seeing me while I was unconscious for the whole thing. <laughs> they watched it mm -hmm. all. You know, they watched me get CPR and AED shock and, and all those kind of things. So, you know, you realize from this, it affects your whole family. You know, it really does. And, uh, you know, I, I train a lot with my son. He's um, he's in the Navy now. But when he before he left for the Navy, he we worked out a lot together. My daughter's a competitive gymnast. And so they're very fit. We spent a lot of time, you know, having them checked out, um, making sure that there was nothing that I had that could have been passed down to them from a hereditary standpoint or anything. And thankfully, they're they're all good. But it's, it definitely affects the ones around you. And, you know, it took me some time to kind of realize that and stop being selfish yeah. and realize that, you know, hey, they're affected too. And they saw their they saw their dad for all intents and purposes die there on that floor. And, you know, it's it's hard on a young kid, you know. And I think one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you is to let sort of other athletes know that this happens. It's unfortunate we never want it to happen, but it does happen. But there are ways that we can help you as an athlete continue to maintain some level, whether that's full participation or some degree of fitness in that piece and part of you, but also take care of you, Kevin, as a person and you and your family as a person that 
you know, it's okay to admit you need help to, to handle these emotions, you know, and I, th- we've talked about that over the years too, yeah. you know, seeing people to help you process all of these things, Yeah, counselors, and then family, support of your family. And, you know, the, one of the big things about, you know, because you and I both CrossFit is the community of CrossFit, yep. but any fitness community can help you process all this. So talk a little bit about then also the, the community, the, your bigger tribe besides your individual family and how they yep. perceived this event and how they may have helped you through the process as well. Yeah, that's another kind of pinnacle moment is when I came to see you last year, I had just recently had two shocks and right off, you kind of recognize when I, I think I sat in the chair in your office and you said, you seem like you're not the same person. You seem like this has really gotten to you this time. And and you recommended me doing some counseling. And that kind of spurred me on to like find a good counselor back in South Carolina and a sports psychologist. So I have, I have each kind of a traditional counselor that kind of helps me work through some of the you know, stuff that still comes up. But then also, you know, a sports psychologist that can kind of help me handle the, there's a lot of, a lot of in the middle of a workout, like, am I having a heart issue or am I just, is this really hard, you know, or am I feeling sorry for myself? Some of that kind of stuff. So she helps me work through some of that and, and having those people on your team, you know, it's, it's been, has been really helpful. And you recognizing that's kind of spurred me on to like, okay, let's pursue that. It's, it's okay to kind of ask for help in that, that arena. As far as the CrossFit community or a bigger community outside your family, I think you always need people to, people to rely on. At one point it, I almost got, tired of people, you know, ask, how are you doing? You know, cause it, the event, the first event happened in such a big community wide, mm-hmm. hundreds of people from all the gyms. So, you know, as we were doing competitions and stuff, I would see people that I hadn't seen in a few months. And that's the first thing they say, well, how are you, how are you feeling? How's your health? How are you doing? And, it, you know, and then I got a lot of, well, there must be a reason for this. You know, you've got a bigger purpose. You can, you can share with people, you can help others and stuff. And I got, I almost got like, well, I don't know what that is. And that's a lot of pressure and that's a lot of stress. And so I got even tired of hearing it. Everybody meant well and had good intentions, but having people, even in my gym, when I would go back to work out for a while, I would see people like out of the corner of the eye, like, is he okay? Is he going to be all right? Yeah. You know, and just kind of having to prove to people that you're just a normal person again, took, took some time. I mean, that's probably a lot of self taking that on myself, but having those people around to support you and, you know, say you're doing a good job and high five you at the end and a community of people that can support you, whatever that may be. And everybody's not a CrossFitter, but whatever that may be, your group of people is really important. I, I can't imagine trying to do it alone or even with just my small, you know, nuclear family of, of three. You know, I, I, there was a lot of because they needed some help, too. So there was a lot of support from outside of people that could just come alongside and be like, hey, man, I got you yeah. and we'll do this together. Well, Kevin, it's been a pleasure talking to you today and getting to know you over the past few yeah. years that we've been having this relationship. Is there any last sort of bit of wisdom you want to pass along to, to people that may be listening to this? Yeah, first of all, kind of like you said at the very beginning, you know, if AEDs are important, they save lives. If, if, if you run a gym or you've got a, any kind of facility, you know, the, I don't want to go too far into it, but the AED that was at the facility that I had was a result of the gym owner who had had a heart problem himself. And he he didn't understand why. And there was kind of a lot of, I don't understand why God did this to me. He had to have open heart surgery. But out of that, he said, I'm going to give get an AED and he couldn't afford it. So he found a local charity and they donated the AED that saved my life to that gym. And so 
you kind of look down through the, and he, he told me, he came up to me and said, you are my why, you are my why after this. And that gives me chills even thinking about it. So that would be the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is just, you know, it's not a death sentence, it's, as silly as it sounds, it's not a death sentence. And for a while I thought it was, you know, this is something I love to do. I love to CrossFit, I love to be a really active person. And, you know, people are telling me you can't anymore. No, 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 you can't. I would say find doctors that are willing to say you can. It might be, uh, it might be modified or it might be a change, but um, find good doctors, be your own advocate and continue to live your life because there's a lot more life beyond you know, a heart issue or an ICD and what goes along with that. Great. Well, thanks for being with us today, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash loveyourheartpodcast. podcast.